Hey you. Yeah you. How's working from home been going for you? Remarkably Remote from GoToMeeting will help you succeed in today's new normal. In just three minutes or less, we'll share simple but helpful tips to keep you on track. From managing your motivation, workload, and relationships to hosting and attending virtual events that keep you connected with your clients and colleagues. So check out Remarkably Remote on your favorite podcasting platform or head to gotomeeting.com slash tips. on the beach the only place to read your emails and tweets it's wednesday may 13th i'm jay skeets and alongside me thanks to the power of technology task Mellis. hey it's great to be on the beach we got the bearded one trey kirby hey hey the international man of mystery taking it to the max lee ellis friends mm. and last but not least making the magic happen it's jd hello there he is, and here we are. Thanks again to everybody who's sent in questions over the last week or so. Keep them coming. Don't be afraid. Email us, nodunks at theathletic.com, or tweet them in at nodunksinc, or use that hashtag, nodunks. And I wanted to give a quick update about the Webby Awards. You guys remember those things? Oh, yeah. uh, yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. As most of you know, we were nominated for the best sports podcast. We were trying to get you to all go and vote. A lot of you did. The voting has closed for the Webby Awards. And uh, the rumor on the street is that we will find out the winners of the Webbies on May 19th. So next week, we will find out whether or not we won our very first Webby Awards. So fingers crossed. And again, if we don't, thanks to everybody that did vote and tweeted it and shared it on Facebook and you were getting all your friends to do it and maybe sometimes you were using your second email account, thank you. (laughs) We'll let you know if... Or if we don't win a Webby yeah. Award uh, next week. Uh, I'm feeling pretty Honestly, confident. a dastardly move by the Webbies to hide the results on the last day of voting. <laughs> I mean, I know we were up when I went to bed the night before, but what was it like that last day? Were people going crazy for 30 for 30? Yeah, it was getting a lot closer, right? Like, we were, I don't know, were we at like 44% of the vote or maybe even a little less? And, the, and ESPN was at 30% or something like that? I yeah, we, we had a little thought- lead. Yeah, I thought we were 45 or 46. Okay. I thought we were, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we, we had some breathing room there. So what? We're going to like, we're going to protest if we don't win this thing, right? <laughs> something shady is happening. Oh, yeah. We don't, yeah, okay, good. I just wanted to clarify that. All right, so we'll, we'll let you know next week. But we got a lot of great questions. Task get us started, man. Yeah, let's get into it. Hey, No Dunks crew. If the NBA playoffs are played in a bubble, then presumably the only thing the players will be able to do for fun on off days is go watch the other teams play. Besides obvious things like being a part of the broadcast, what kind of odd jobs would be fun to see them do since they're there anyway? Maybe they could be the floor mopping guys or get your ice cold beer here, guys. <laughs> well, there's going to be no fans, so definitely no ice cold beer going around. Thanks. That's from Jason in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. Thanks yeah. for the email, Jason. Go Rough Riders! Um, this, I'm, I'm, I'm happy this is our first question because we've had sort of uh, some recent news, some uh, optimistic news about maybe the NBA season returning. We, we heard, you know, reports that uh, a lot of the big-name players, led by Chris Paul, and then you had LeBron and, all, and Kawhi, I don't know if he said anything on the call, but all these guys got together and, and talked it out, the stars of, like, should we return? 
Do we want to return? Could we return? And it sounds like they're all sort of on board, right? That the players are. Yeah, um, that's the least... funny part. Are the players doctors? What do they have to do with yeah. anything? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they, yeah, we want to be there. We're going to come out and play. Yeah, it's not up to the players. Let's or, be honest. Well, but, of, you know, I mean... It's not the up NBA, to the employees. The NBA wants to work in, in hand in hand with the players' association as much as possible. So I guess if the players are like, "No, we don't feel safe, or we don't want to play uh, because of safety reasons," then uh, they would take that into account, right? Yeah, I think they would. But yeah, the, yeah, the final say is science, not well, uh, yes, <laughs> not Kawhi Leonard saying yes. No, he he doesn't even say that. <laughs> so he just grunts. Mm. Was that a yes or a no, Kawhi? Mm. Um, but. In conjunction with that, according to Shams, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver told the Board of Governors on Tuesday that he is aiming for a two- to four-week timetable on the decision about whether to resume the season. I say all this because I'm, I'm getting, and we were talking about it on uh, Monday's NBA News Roundup, you know, I, I am optimistic there is, they're going to finish this season, and I think it's going to go straight to the playoffs. I think it's going to be in a, you know, a one- or two-spot location. They're trying to not call it bubble anymore, call it a campus. Uh, that's a lot easier to stomach. Um, I think it's going to happen. And, you know, it sounds like the players want to do it if, if everybody's safe. And the NBA obviously wants to do it, there's no doubt, um, for monetary reasons. I think it happens. I know, I know we can argue. Uh, we're not doctors either or scientists, but we can argue about whether they should. But I think they will. Anyway, funny question. I love this spin on it. Because, yeah, if it happens, there's going to be no fans. We know that. So it's going to be a weird, weird atmosphere. So one of my favorite things about big wrestling matches is when a wrestler like Stone Cold or Shawn Michaels is the special guest referee. <laughs> I think the NBA should do the same here, guys. Because then we can just remove the officials. That's, you know, how many officials are in the league? Off the top of your head, Tass, you know, what was it, 50, 60, maybe more? I got no idea. But anyway, let's sure. take them out of the equation. We, we want to reduce the risk of the virus spreading, so we want as few people as possible there. So get rid of the officials and just have the other guys on other teams officiate the other games can you imagine the drama we would get like a wrestling match we'd have lebron officiating clipper games and Giannis officiating rockets games with james harden kyle lowry out here calling a charge every second possession <laughs> this would be gold mm. right you know i yeah i actually had the same answer because also the ref, the referees and the players have got a bit of a tenuous relationship right now if the players actually have a chance at refereeing it might actually bridge the gap a little bit and sure. they'll understand just how difficult the job is <laughs> sure but i, I like also it. I also can't wait for the first player referee to eject a coach or player. You can just imagine that would be an incredible moment because you know how the player would love to just say, right, you're out of here. Get out of here, man, and chuck him out. It'd be awesome. So, yeah, I'm down for that for sure. Whether, whether it's a player or an actual official tossing a coach or a player in one of these weird games, if we get them with no fans, you should be allowed to go sit in the stands. Right, you shouldn't. You don't. You don't have to go back to the locker room. Mm-hmm. I right. think you just loud. You can just go up and sit up there in the two hundreds. Just <laughs> yeah, watch but, the game. Yeah, but they'll be heckling though. You know, if they've been yeah, tossed out of the game. But that's probably all right. Create a bit of atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think there's something there for sure. There's uh, apparently there's seventy referees in the NBA. Okay, that was pretty yeah. close. That's a great idea. Um, my first thought was. Chris Paul would be an incredible usher. You know, he knows the layout. He knows where people are supposed to be. He loves telling people what to do. Um, but like you guys are saying, there aren't going to be any fans. So my next suggestion would be players who have been quarantined at home likely are mastering food dishes just like we are, trying to cook, trying to, you know, eat some healthy food at home. So let's set up shops for them 
to show off the things that they've made okay. during their time in quarantine. You could have Dono's Donuts, Donovan Mitchell's Donut Spot, or The Bread Show, where Eric Bledsoe sells his best sourdough, or my favorite, Joel's Mmm Beans. The guy's been cooking beans all quarantine, and now you can taste Joel's Mmm Beans. beans. <laughs> all right, so their own little uh, food stalls. To show yeah, off exactly their, right. their, their cooking skills. Okay, I like that. Tassi, I guess it would just be other players eating there, though. So yeah, <laughs> just passing money around. Mine was also the referees. There's no, there's no other jobs. You're either referee or you're refereeing remotely. It, um, maybe we just have no referees. And Joe Borgia and Monty McCutcheon referee the games remotely. Uh-huh. They, ju- they just call <laughs> the call the games from Secaucus. <laughs> well, no. I mean, get rid of if we're gonna get rid of all officials. Get rid of those guys too. Let's let the players call their own fouls. Like it's a Space Jam uh, pickup game or something like that. I think people would be uh, into that as well. You'd see like who's the whiny guy out there who's calling ticky tack fouls, <laughs> who plays through the contact. Uh, you know, it would obviously increase. Uh, I would assume the uh, the back and forth dialogue between guys, the trash talk. So. Yeah, just get rid of officials completely if we do this. That'd be a fun experiment. What about getting players uh, running the baseline cameras just to get a, a taste of how it oh. feels, you know, having an NBA player barrel down on you, crashing India. Maybe they'd, uh, they'd be a little more careful as they're, mm. they're uh, barreling towards the, the, the sidelines there. What, because there's like a seven-footer with a camera there? Oh, yes, exactly. Right, and also right. they get the experience of it. It's a, It can't be uh, – It's. I, I've always wanted to try it. Um, I, I got to – to be the camera person for the uh, for a baseball game once and it was great it was so fun like uh, right. being the center field camera so i i just i guess i want to vicariously live through them but also just uh yeah a seven footer sitting like crouched down <laughs> looking you know trying to get the shots also the shots would be hilariously bad so it would be uh, it would be pretty funny yeah that's true that's true was that the the game that you did camera in center field, the Jays game that we all did? Like Tass was oh, on play yeah. by play and I did like stats or something. <laughs> <laughs> I like had a great stat about uh, seven strikeouts or something. I remember. <laughs> oh my god, that was funny. Oh right. Okay, next one. Hey no dunkers. Recently I was wondering if the day a vaccine for the coronavirus is discovered will become a national worldwide, excuse me, holiday. So my question, which NBA event should be Maybe a national holiday. Thanks for keeping the content coming. That's from Andreas in Germany, from Germany, but living in Philadelphia. Um, I'll go first because I think we just uh, we just experienced on May 12th yesterday the one-year anniversary of Kawhi's shot to beat the 76ers, the, the, the shot, the bounce, whatever you want to call it. That should be a national holiday in Canada, like mm. hands down, like no question. Everybody throws parties. Maybe you have to do four shots at the party to enter or something like that. They <laughs> come up with little games on this day. But that's uh, you, we should be celebrating that. Everybody should have the day off, and uh, that's an easy one for me. Hmm. Are there any what? national hockey holidays? No, not off the top of my head. Um, mm. Yeah, when they won the Summit Series. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess not. I guess not. Crosby's goal in the Olympics, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that would be that should be there. It'd be on the short list. I love um, it. I love the idea that uh, hockey has been the national sport of Canada. But the first holiday is going to be for Kawhi Leonard's bounce. I think it's fitting. Oh man. I mean, you. I'm sure you watched the clips going around on Twitter yesterday. Uh, everybody here on this call. It's uh, 
even if you're not a Raps fan, that still gives you chills, that, that moment. And I, sh- I shared the clip of my buddy Ken recording it. He was there with uh, other friends. And, uh, man, I, I watch that all the time. It's just panic. And in, in that clip that I shared of Ken, um, you know, whatever, they're in, like, the lower bowl, there is a woman that turns around, like, a row or two ahead of him. When it hits, like, the first bout, she turns around with her hands up in the air. And it's like... Does she is she the oracle? Like, does she know that thing's <laughs> dropping, or is she just doesn't know what's going on? Was it her first basketball game? I'm, I have so many questions about that woman, but it's pretty it looks pretty cool. Pretty awesome if that was her first basketball game. <laughs> oh, yeah, wow. well, yeah, that's right. Well, uh, yeah, in theory, that was probably some people's first basketball game ever. It's like it's never going to get better. It can never go again. Didn't we have an email about that once? You can't go. Yep. Yeah. What do you guys got for um, potential NBA events that should be national holidays? Well, I think when we're through all of this, maybe in 2021, the regular season should start on November 1st, the same day as the first NBA game ever. Every regular season should start on November 1st. And it's a national holiday because the first game took place in Toronto, of all places, in 1946 with the Knicks visiting Toronto, the Toronto Huskies at the time, the old Huskies, 7,000 fans, most who knew very little about basketball, according to Wikipedia. I guess that's true. The Knicks won 68-66 in a barn barner. And November 1st, why not, why not start the season on that day every single season? Everybody gets off to watch a little b-ball. Hmm. Would hmm. every team play then, too? Do the classic, like, 15-game slate? Nah. Just Raptors only? <laughs> I yeah, want to. I want to highlight. Uh, highlight the good teams. Few games. It's a lot. Of, I don't know. It's a lot of games. It's too much to take in. Too much to take in. It's more like a Thanksgiving Day football, NFL <laughs> okay, football. Okay. I thought we just had a national holiday over the weekend. Wedgie day. Wedgie, wedgie day. Yeah. You speak of course of wedgie day. <laughs> of course. Yeah. That is a national holiday. I mean, it hasn't quite made it yet fully, but uh, yeah. I hell of a holiday. I, we didn't even tweet anything about it. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> tough one. It's got to go up against uh, Mother's Day. You know. Which do you love yeah. more, mothers or wedgies? Oh, uh, uh, man. It got even worse for me, May 10th, because you're right, it was wedgie day. I had that in my calendar. As you said, it was also Mother's Day, but it was also my little brother's um, birthday, and I totally forgot. Oh, I, I, I got wrapped up in wedgie day and then a Mother's Day, and I forgot about Josh's <laughs> birthday, but I've apologized since. I, I, it uh. caught me the next day. I was like, oh, my God, it was May 10th, too. There was so much going on. Yeah. So you said it. You said it. You said it first. Then you said I got caught up in Wedgie Day and yeah. Mother's Day. So I think we know which one is the bigger day. You didn't send me flowers for Wedgie Day, Lee. I did notice that. <laughs> I sent you some underwear. <laughs> That's what we a should do. We should send underwear. each other underwear on uh, yeah. on Wedgie Day. That's a great idea. <laughs> That's a good idea. We should sell underwear. No dunks underwear for Wedgie mm-hmm. Day next year. Okay. So That's a good idea. Do. Okay. Check back in 362 days. <laughs> It'll be ready. <laughs> Any other um, NBA events that should be national holidays? Yeah, well, I think um, as far as I'm concerned, Family Day in Canada is just a placeholder. We're just waiting for something to put in there because every holiday is Family Day, let's face it. <laughs> and it always falls on NBA All-Star Weekend. It's the Monday after NBA All-Star Weekend. So we should just make it All-Star Day in Canada. Use that as a placeholder. Before we give it to whoever, to okay. Tommy Douglas Day or David Suzuki Day or some other Canadian. So just, just to, to bring some more awareness of the NBA in in Canada. It is the birthplace of basketball and there is the bounce. But uh, that holiday is just already there and it's a placeholder. So replace 
re- just replace Family Day with NBA All Star Day. And you know what? In the states, it's President's Day. Do the same. I mean, who cares? <laughs> presidents. Who cares? There's enough presidents and all that. All Star Day has a good ring to it too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next email here. I was watching the 98 All-Star Game rebroadcast on ESPN this week, and I saw a name I hadn't heard or thought about in a long time, Rick Smits. As an 11-year-old jazz fan in 98 and a budding basketball fan, I found myself also enjoying the Pacers a bit because of their fun 90s playoff battles with various teams. I remember in particular one playoff game where Rick Smits was dominating fools. After that game, I remember going to my backyard practicing some nice sky hooks and shouting Rick Smith. <laughs> oh my god. As Rick I Smith. did. Yeah, also a two name guy. You can never just call him Smith. <laughs> never call him Rick. Uh, this was before everyone defaulted to Kobe as they tried impossible basketball moves in their backyards. I realize now more than ever how goofy this was as a 5'10, 32 year old. <laughs> He's 32 now. Yeah, that's what And not back means. then. 32. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, he says he says he was an 11 year old in 98. Oh yeah, you're right. He realizes it now. Okay, mm. so I guess my question is this: What is the weirdest NBA player you imitated as you were growing up? Cheers, that's from Braden in Salt Lake City. I've actually got two quick answers here for you. I'll just go through the first one here. Um, it was the start of one season. We were playing junior basketball, and they were handing out the jerseys, and everyone sort of grabbed one. Everyone wanted a good number, and I got—I think I got number twenty-one. And I was like, "Yes, Neek." The next kid got eleven, and he's like, "Yes, Isaiah." Next kid got 23. He was obviously pretty happy. And then the next kid pulled out number 31, and he's going, yes, Kurt Rambis. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know. I was just like, I mean, you're happy to have that, and that's the first guy you think of with 31? (laughs) Anyway, it was like, he was really, really stoked to be Kurt Rambis. So uh, I was like, okay, I guess he's got his fans out there. Sure. But um, on uh, another time, so in the 1989 playoffs, uh, the number seven seeded Warriors upset the number two Jazz. And in game three, it was a classic Don Nelson coach game. Only eight guys got minutes, was really only seven because one guy played five minutes. And one of those other guys was Minute Bowl. But the other guy who came off the bench was Terry Teagle. Right? <laughs> Teagle came off in 28 minutes. He took 19 shots, second most on the team, scored 24 points, had a decent game, not a single three-pointer there. And every one of them was just a mid-ranger and he just caught he was the like uh, the classic black hole as soon as he got the ball he was just firing it away and I love that game so much and I love Mitch Richmond and Chris Mullen in that game but for a couple of games there my my focus was like I am Terry Teagle when I get this ball (laughs) it's Teagle time no one's going to beat this answer Terry Teagle it only lasted like two or three games because I realised I was shooting about 3% from the field but I had the mentality of like if you get the ball just shoot it like Terry Teagle. And, uh, you know, you hit one shot and you think, great, I'm on I'm on here. But then you just miss them all and you realize, okay, I think I need to switch back to somebody else. <laughs> right. Um, have we ever pulled a Terry Teagle in Poppin' Packs? Yes. Yeah, we, we have. have. Yeah, we have. In fact, um, John Schumann, I remember, actually uh, thought we had a Terry Teagle when he was on there the other day. Oh, so, wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. A great, what a great name. And just... <laughs> Oh, man, he had a pretty good playoff series, actually. I think he averaged around 15 or 16 coming off the bench. But, uh, oh, man, he was a black hole. Right, so like a little like oh, I don't know like Dion Waiters esque like yeah, Smith esque yeah pro- yeah I was trying to think of a comparison last night but um, I, I think probably more like Jr I guess just yeah. like catch and shoot without a conscience um, yeah but uh, yeah it was pretty funny he bounced around he made a decent career out of himself Terry 
Great yeah. name. Played over 600 games. Averaged yep. nearly 12 points per game. Not yep. brutal. Yep. No, no. <laughs> Just no. let it fly. And I mean, in a, Don, in a Don Nelson system, it, it's perfect for him. It's perfect because it's just like, hey, if you want to shoot, go for it, man. Enjoy mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good answer. I, I can't do any better than that. I don't know if anybody else can. For me, it was Vladi Divac because <laughs> my dad, I thought, played exactly like Vladi Divac. My dad is, you know, about the same size as me, so he played as a post guy too. But I was like, look at these two guys out here, these two old men shooting threes, throwing passes, and flopping all around. So I did the same thing. Stopped trying to block shots, just started falling over all the time, even in pickup games, like a true nerd alert. Oh, God. But, you know, it kind of transcended to everything because as soon as every pickup game would be over, I'd just go to the side light up a cigarette, hack a button, and go out and play the next game. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, did uh, Steve Kirby never smoked, did he? Oh, no, 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 no. no. Okay. He, I think he took one puff of a cigarette when he was, like, in sixth grade, and his uh, his dad found out about it, and he never had a puff again. Oh, yeah, it didn't, didn't take Steve Kirby as a smoker. So that's where he differed than Vladia. You're right. It was wild to see Vladia in uh, Charlotte Hornets uniform the other day when uh, – B.J. Armstrong had his shot in the last mm-hmm. dance. Vlade was playing center. Weird. Oh, yeah. Always weird. Yeah, there's that. I love that one photo of Vlade when he's still with the Hornets. And he's like he's, he's like lounging on yeah. the ground. He looks like, like <laughs> George Costanza sort of doing a photo shoot there. It's such a great mm-hmm. picture. Well, in 2008, I imitated Vince Carter's jumper's knee injury lying on the ground for a basketball Jones video. Mm-hmm. Not very nice. Not no. very nice at all. No. Didn't feel right. <laughs> I mean, it kind of felt right at the time, but looking back. (laughs) It was a different time. It was a different time. Our hatred for Vince Carter as raps. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next one here. Hey, guys. It's time for the weekly Who Says No question. Uh, This one only happens if the Magic are in win-now mode, but how do you feel about Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon, and a draft pick for Chris Paul? Who says no? That's from (laughs) Elliot. No one says no, Elliot. Thank you so much for this email because you sent in the perfect trade proposal. I don't think either team says no. I think really? this is. Okay. I think this is a little bit like uh, Ethan Strauss, who uh, just wrote the Victory Machine, was on our show a few weeks ago. He let us know that the Warriors attempted to trade Steph and Clay for Chris Paul in 2011, way before Steph and Clay obviously were who they were, and Steph was in a lot of trade rumors. I think this is somewhat similar. Obviously, Steph and Clay, um, you know, are light years ahead of Evan Fournier and Aaron Gordon. But it's the same thing where the Magic are trying to acquire a star uh, and somebody who would be their best player that they've had in a very, very long time since you know Shaq slash Penny, I guess. Um, in the Golden State instance, you know, same sort of scenario. You just do it just to have Chris Paul on your team. And I think you know if you throw in a pick uh, along with Evan Fournier and Aaron Gordon. I think OKC can't get a better package than that, especially where Chris Paul is um, in his career. So I think he's, they say yes. I think they both say hmm. yes. Hmm. I mean, it's a hell of a risk if you're the Magic. You're, you're getting the best player, no doubt. You're getting Chris Paul. But he is, what, he's 35 already, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with many, many years still left on the giant contract. But I, it is a nice, it's a fun thought experiment. It's like, how good does Chris Paul and the Magic make them in the East? Right? Better than they are now. So that's yeah. why I don't think it's yeah. all that much of a risk, even though Aaron Gordon is still a young guy. He's been in the league six years. He, he needs to be on a better team to, to find his his flow, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think that's pretty clear, although, you know, he's he's 
he's swirling that wine in the video where he's dissing Dwayne Wade, and he says, I've only been in the year six, six years just getting my feet wet. Sure. Um, but I don't think they have a superstar on their hands. And at least they're a playoff team with uh, Chris Paul in the lineup. I mean, I think that's a little bit higher in the standings for a year or two. Yeah, you would think maybe if Chris Paul is on the Magic, they could win a playoff series if they get the right uh, matchup in the Eastern Conference. Orlando hasn't won a playoff series since 2010, so I think that they would be most interested in this because, you know, Evan Fournier has a player option whenever the offseason starts this summer. Aaron Gordon, like we're saying, maybe a change of scenery does him well. So, yeah, if you could bring in a guy who at least is going to guarantee you, you know, Close to 50 wins, I would think, probably. Chris Paul playing alongside some of the other guys there in Orlando. Maybe it vaults them up the standings a little, and perhaps they draw, you know, the Pacers, and Victor Oladipo can't get back uh, to the way he was playing before. And then, yeah, maybe they knock him off, something like that. Um, but I would think the Thunder would want more for Chris Paul than this. They might not be able to get more, but I would think mm-hmm. that uh, they would be trying to get something more than cost savings, um, basically a swing on Aaron Gordon, and, you know, like a mid-first-round draft pick is where I would ultimately imagine it would be for the Magic. Yeah, and how many draft picks do they have? 89 yeah. at this point? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. It'd be like yeah. a fi- yeah, somewhere probably, like you said, Trey, like 13 to 17, like somewhere in there type of pick, which is fine. Mm. Make, you know, another bite at the apple. But uh, it's, it's a, this is a good one. I do like, I like thinking this one out. What do you think, Lee? Well, I think Chris Paul has had an incredible season. He up to the to the uh, to the uh, suspension there because he really bounced back, became an all star again, and was even garnering some MVP consideration uh, because of what he did there with the Thunder. So I think we are seeing that Chris Paul perhaps works better without a superstar around him where he can really uh, call the shots. But the problem is he's just turned thirty five, and uh, a large factor going into this season why he was successful is he was able to avoid injury. And historically, you know, he picks up a lot of groin and hamstring and sort of uh, tissue injuries like that. So if you're the Magic, I mean, to win a playoff series, I mean, does that really do all that much for you right now? I I don't think it... uh, I mean, sure, they haven't won one, I know, in 10 years, so it's something, but it's not really going to sort of uh, take them too far. I think... I think with Aaron Gordon there, I mean, yeah, they probably want to move on from him. He hasn't quite been able to live up to that, uh, to to the expectations. But um, again, with Chris Paul, you're probably only getting another another one year out of him of decent play. Um, So I'm not really sure if it sort of does all that much for either team really in this situation. Both teams says say no again. (laughs) Is that what you're saying? I don't know. It just. uh, I think. Yeah, like I say, I mean, yeah, teams, some teams, when they just haven't tasted playoff success, just want any little success to hang their hat on. You know, and for the Magic, it was just making the playoffs like they did last year, and they led the world champion Raptors in a series as well. So they made some progress. But again, if they just win one playoff series, and then again, they, they're basically going to have to move on and restart, rebuild again when Chris Paul moves on eventually, and then they've, um, you know, given up another draft pick as well. Like, it just kind of might set them back again anyway in the long run. So yeah, yeah. it doesn't. That's what, I mean, I mean, that's why Elliot says it's win now mode. Yeah, you know, which that they're not. Yeah, right, yeah, right, right, but, right. I mean, let's say the Magic were in fourth place right now, then perhaps you can see why they'd say, "Listen, let's go for it and see if we can cause an upset in the in, in the Eastern Conference." But I really don't see that happening. So, um, are the Magic yeah. not in win now mode right now? They've got the fourth highest payroll in the league. 
<laughs> well, <laughs> based on that uh, metric, yes. But, uh, I mean, based on their performance on the court, they're, they're probably lucky to be in the playoffs. I think, I'm not sure exactly what their standings are, but they probably wouldn't be close in the Western Conference um, right they're now. 30 they're 35 right now. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, when you, anytime you're below 500 and you're still in the playoffs, um, I don't think you're in win now, mate. They've still got <laughs> uh, some things to figure out. But, um, but again, Chris Paul, I mean... Coming into this season, I mean, if you if you were to maybe do this at the start of the season when we assumed Chris Paul was going to be on the move anyway, um, and he had this sort of uh, impact on the magic that he's had on the Thunder, then then you can sort of see maybe maybe there is a little bit more hope there for the th- for the for the magic to at least make a little bit of traction. But uh, at this point, I I mean I, I don't know I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't give up another draft pick anyway if I'm the Magic. I mean, Take uh, the, that Nick, out of it. the Knicks are going to give up way more for this, right? For <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if the season starts, if the season starts and the uh, the Chris Paul is in the playoffs and he's hanging out at, at Disney, playing there, he can just mm. stick around and chill out in Orlando. I think it's a good good move for Orlando just to try and propel themselves to something instead of being a sub five hundred team. Evan Fournier and Aaron Gordon aren't pulling you there either as a mid round draft pick. You know, winning stuff, you get one little move and things roll, things propel. Who knows? Maybe somebody sees Chris Paul and says, you know what? Maybe I'll come over there. Maybe <laughs> yeah. I'll try out Orlando. Instead if, of being a sub-500 team, what does that get you? Well, yeah, maybe I, maybe I, you, hope, uh, you hope Chris Paul on your on a Magic roster can do wonders for a guy like Markel Fultz or something like that, too. Like yeah. Chris Paul is basically a coach. Yeah. Um, we've seen how much... It appears how much of an impact he's had on young guys in, in uh, SGA and even Schroeder. So, yeah, maybe mm-hmm. maybe you're yeah. thinking like that, too. Like, he's basically a coach. He's a very expensive yeah. uh, assistant coach out there, and he's still damn good. <laughs> yeah, but I think if you're pinning your hopes on a 35-year-old to sort of uh, yeah, no, you know, propel you, it's it's not a good look. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's funny with the Magic. You know, since the Dwight Howard trade, they just haven't been able to, you know, make any progress, really. You know, they've just sort mm-hmm. of been on the on the treadmill of mediocrity. So, you know, if you, tra- if you give up another draft pick for a 35-year-old, I think that ultimately just sets you back in the end anyway. All right, next one here. How do you know Dumps? After recently watching a 2008 Suns vs. Hornets double OT thriller, a proper comparison for Kobe White came to me. Leandro Barbosa. Think about it. Both are quick combo guards with decent positional size and can fill it up as a secondary creator. TK, Trey can be the judge of how good a comparison this is, being a Bulls fan like myself. But I think it's a very realistic goal for a guy with a lot left to prove. Turn up, love you guys, blah, blah, blah. That's from, those were his blah, blah, blahs. That's from (laughs) Noah in Tampa, Florida. Thanks for the email, Noah. So, TK, what do you think? Kobe White, the new Leandro Barbosa. I love it. I think it's a perfectly accurate comparison. Uh, And, you know, if Kobe White plays 14 seasons, wins a title, has a bunch of big moments, I think that's an incredibly successful season. But I also hate this comparison because if Kobe White averages 10 points, two rebounds, and two assists for his career, that's a disappointment to me. (laughs) Uh, I expect him or hope for him uh, to be more of the next Lou Williams because Lou Williams to me had a little bit more um, reliability when he was the guy with the ball, right? Like you could rely on him to create shots for himself for the most part, maybe uh, create for others out of the pick and roll. And I kind of think that that's um, where Kobe White would have a bit of an advantage over Barbosa to me, who was great as a catch-and-shoot player or great in transition. Obviously, Kobe White would be great in transition if the Bulls would ever let him run, but uh, we'll see how that plays out. Barbosa is likely, you know, like like I'm saying, he had a really, really good career for his career, but when you're drafting somebody in the lottery, you want him to end up more than a role player. 
All right, next question. What's up, starting dunkers? Last week, I watched the finals of the SBL, the Super Basketball League. It's the pro league in Taiwan, and it's probably one of the only basketball leagues functioning amid the virus outbreak. Mark Stein even wrote an article on the league. Being from Taiwan myself, I know... (laughs) I've actually always looked at this league as a joke. It only has five teams... The athletes are subpar on skill and athleticism, but the finals surprised me. There were some pretty good games. So my question, was there a time where a plan B or a plan C or just something you dismissed turned out to be really good? That's from Peter in Taiwan. Thank you, Peter. Um, For me, this was an easy answer in 2009, planning a little Vegas trip with the fellas. And it was uh, my, my good friend Amin, my good friend Sets, I've talked about before. We're headed out to Vegas on a January weekend. It was a three-nighter. And I knew my friends, these two guys, Amin and Ryan, fantastic individuals. However, incapable of really extending themselves on back-to-back-to-back nights. They can't hit back-to-back-to-back jacks. It's just, it's just not in their DNA. And this is when we were in our 20s. Still not going to happen for them. So I had some other friends uh, that I worked with, my good friends Rick, Alex, and Veach, who are also going to Vegas. So I made sure that they were overlapping weekends because I knew that that third night, there was whether it was second night or third night, my friends, me and Ryan, just weren't going to cut it. They just weren't going to go out. And that's exactly what happened. Third night. I was getting ready to go. I was getting dressed and showering in a pitch black hotel room. It was pitch black in there because Amino and Rhino were down for the count. They were out. They were not moving whatsoever at like 8 p.m. Thankfully, had my other good friends to go out with. I joined them, and that was the night I met Danielle, my wife, for the first time. So thankfully, that plan B worked out. Just like, a, just like I had hoped. I had no idea I was meeting my wife. I was not planning on that whatsoever, but it, it ended up happening. So knock that out of the park. That, that, was, a, a, that was a real Reggie Jackson moment. That's a crazy what if. That's an awesome what if they are willing to go out, right? Do you still go to the same place? Do you still meet your wife? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm talking about Amin and Rhino. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. They, did the, they did you a favor by, by crashing at 8 p.m. No it's doubt. No doubt. To think about. It's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, anyone got uh, something else? Uh, I would say um, I was a big wrestling fan as a kid, but I grew out of it when I was 11 or 12. Uh, but then last year we got a couple of tickets to uh, WWE SmackDown, I think it was. Um, and something else, we went to another one live. I don't know what it was, but uh, <laughs> they were awesome. They were awesome, you know. So, um, you know, I kind of... Uh, I'd kind of dismissed it, but being live, being up close, it was a lot of fun. So, okay. yeah, that was it for me. <laughs> so you're saying you enjoyed the SmackDown one better where we were ringside compared to the Raw one where we were Raw, in the nosebleeds. It. Yeah, well, it was it was funny because, of course, when we were in the nosebleeds, I was disappointed at the start. But actually just watching it from up there, it doesn't quite take the same amount of energy as it does when you're sitting yeah. ringside because, uh, <laughs> I mean, you've got to bring it if you're ringside at wrestling. You have to. And we made the broadcast a couple of times, so it was all worth it. Yeah, you almost feel like you're a part of the show when you're sitting that close. Like, it's your duty to, like, overreact to things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. 
But when you're sitting up in the top, you can just chill out. Yeah, when you're sitting beer. up, it's like, okay, I don't have to be a crazy, you know, a crazy adult screaming at men, basically dancing in front of me like this. It's all choreographed. <laughs> it was Ric Flair's birthday that night we sat That's up right. top. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got, got the sh- kicked out of them if I remember correctly. Although, Happy I will, birthday, Rick. I will say I was, uh, the biggest disappointment was when we were sitting up in the nosebleeds, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat was down close and I oh, could yeah. have maybe uh, harassed him for, uh, you know, so- something, a photo, an autograph. <laughs> hey, Ricky. Yeah, that was <laughs> clothesline. <laughs> Trey, JD, you got answers to this one? I didn't really uh, care for Cherry Coke as a kid, but then they came out with that red and black can, and I was like, that is the coolest pop can I've ever seen in my entire life. So for 6th through 8th grade, Cherry Coke out of the vending machine on the regular. That was the best-looking can I've ever seen in my life. Hmm. Yeah, for me, it's the the house I'm living in right now. I think this was Plan C of... (laughs) We had our first pick, our second pick, and our third pick, uh, but I'm so glad that we ended up with Plan C. It's uh, it's a great house. I love it. Uh, yeah, we lost those other two houses, but it's all, it was all for the best. Mm, that's good. My, mine is, uh, I mean, I'll preface by saying this is a very cool story, bro, uh, but we were in Lisbon, uh, Nora, myself, uh, and friends, my buddy Grish, my buddy Dub, and... Um, uh, his wife Nicole. So five of us were there. We tried to go out to this really, really nice restaurant. It's like one of the most popular restaurants or highly acclaimed restaurants in Lisbon. And we tried to just sort of like show up and hope we could get like a last minute seating. Something would open up. I believe it was called 100 Mineras. And it was late, and there were five of us, which is never a great number, right? To try and get that that last seat. You know, you're mm. you're pushing it with five. So they couldn't seat us, and we were like pretty bummed. We were like, oh, okay. We thought, you know, we've heard really good things about this. And so we asked the hostess, we're like, well, where else should we go? You know, it is getting late even for Lisbon. I mean, people are eating dinner at like 1030 at night, but it was getting even late for there. And she's like, okay, hold on. This woman, this hostess called another restaurant and confirmed like that they still had a spot for us. She said it was really good. Like it was like they knew them and all that. And we're like, okay, great. So how do we get there? She's like, "Mm, well, if you can give me five minutes, I'm off work in five minutes. I'll walk you over there. And we're like, wow. okay, like, wow, that's next level service. We're like, great. And she was very cool, like sort of our age. So we're talking to her. So she gets done, like, you know, woman of her word. She's like, okay, let's go. And the funny part of this story is we're trying to walk to this next restaurant. It's a, it must be a Friday or Saturday night. Like it's bumping where we are in the, in the neighborhood. So there's a lot going on. And Paul at the time, Dub, he has, um, he had broken his, he had torn his Achilles actually. He had a boot, he had a big walking boot. Uh, he was recovering, so he's trying to keep up. And I'm like, we're going. She's taking us down these tiny little alleyways. Like, we're going left, right, right, left, right. And I, I'm sort of trying to be traffic cop. Like, okay, I'm keeping an eye on her. I'm trying to keep an eye on Dub. You know, we're doing this whole little dance here. We're trying to get to this place. Anyway, again, cool story, bro. We get to this restaurant. Incredible meal. Like, it turned out to be an incredible night. Such good food. The wine's flowing. And then we went out partying after, and we ran into her. <laughs> and, you know, we were, like, super thankful, of course, because we kept talking about it during dinner. Like, what? like, why did she do that? So nice. Like, it was incredible to us. So it was a great plan B, whatever you want to call it. It, it was probably – we ended, Nora and I ended up going to the restaurant after everybody left because we ended up, ended up staying in Lisbon a little bit longer. It was a great meal, the 100 Mineras. But this other place, which I can't remember the name of, of course, um, that she took us to was – Fantastic. Lisbon, what a city. All right, cool. I just bored myself with that story. Uh, Next uh, yeah, uh, just I need to ask this for, for our man, John Schumann. Skeets, did you go to Portugal? Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. I keep telling you to go, man. Oh, 
I should. When you can. I'd, when, I'd have a great safe. time. What's oh, that? You would. You would. Of course oh, I he's... would. Of course oh, I would. I was I was thinking that last night. Why I was thinking that I don't know. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking about the country of Portugal. Maybe it's because I, I bring it up every second <laughs> podcast. Um, I want to go see the Cristiano Ronaldo statue. Although that has been uh, has it been taken Re- down? Yeah, well, and, they got and improved. A, yeah, they got a new one. Yeah, yeah, they, they upgraded. They, yeah, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, the sculptor had had a serious backlash. He was he was actually very torn up about it. All the backlash, right? That, I don't know the, why it was awful. Well, he, he did his best. He did, did his plan best. B. Yeah. Yeah. All right, next one here. Hoy, gents. I recently had a debate with my girlfriend, which is never a good idea, <laughs> about something, and I wanted your take. When online shopping for new clothes for myself, she pointed out a Kurt Cobain shirt that she thought looked nice. I told her I wouldn't get it because I know little to nothing about Cobain or Nirvana. She argued that it doesn't matter, which I completely disagree with. She likened it to owning the jersey of a basketball player from before my time, like Bird or Iverson. I think this is a ridiculous argument, but what do you guys think? And this was why I definitely included this email. Furnace, lovely pies, bought some. That's from Connor in (laughs) Perth, Australia. All right, Connor. Let's let's get to the bottom of this. Ooh, Connor, Connor, what are you doing, man? Just get the T-shirt. She thinks you'll look good in it. Just get it. Who cares? It's going to show off your pecs. Just, you know, happy wife, happy life and all that. But, uh, you know, I, the, the truth is you're kind of both wrong because, you know, if you wear a shirt with Kurt Cobain on it, it's 2020. You already know everything you're, you, you need to know about Kirk Cobain. He's a dead rock star. He killed himself 26 years ago. Nobody is going to ask you or want to talk to you about Kirk Cobain or Nirvana. Like, no, nobody cares. So just wear the damn shirt. <laughs> right. So no one's going to come up to him and say, hey, what's your favorite, uh, you know, deep cut on the yeah. uh, In Utero album or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Exactly. I mean, a side note. In 1993, there were young people running around wearing Rage Against the Machine shirts, including me, with the guy who coincidentally died 26 years before 1993, Che Guevara. And I would guess that at least 75% of the people wearing those shirts had no idea who that was. And uh, when I was wearing it... Certainly nobody came up to me and wanted to discuss the Cuban Revolution. So, you know, just wear the shirt. Right. If it's a cool-looking shirt, wear If it's a cool-looking shirt, yes, wear it. But your girlfriend is also kind of wrong because the the caveat it seems to be basketball. If you wear basketball stuff from any time period... People are going to want to discuss whatever team, player, or era you happen to be wearing that day. Mm. This happens to me all the time, and it's <laughs> never not awkward. I have so many free shirts that I've gotten over the years, and everybody wants, how about, oh, the Knicks, man. You Knicks guy? <laughs> <laughs> not really. It's just a shirt I got. It's like, oh, man. But then, then I'll, and I'll say guy. that. Are you a Knicks guy? No, I'm just a shirt guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they don't want to talk about, uh, well, well, who knows, the 25 years of Nick sucking or whatever. Whatever yeah. shirt you happen to be wearing, they always want to talk about it. Oh, or even people will be curious. Oh, oh that Charlotte jersey that I, I that I like to wear at the pool because, 
yes, it makes my pecs look great. <laughs> but it's a, it's who's the like? There's a number on it, but no name. It's like, oh, number twenty one. Who's that? <laughs> I'm not familiar. I'm like, I'm fine. I have no fucking idea, man. Just leave me alone. Just look at my pecs <laughs> as I walk. Around. So you're both right, but you're both wrong. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, perfectly answered from JD. We got a lot more questions still to tackle here, but before we do, a quick word from some of our sponsors. Sunday Scaries are specially formulated CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that are super consumable and easy to take on the go. The specially formulated CBD products with vitamins can help in all sorts of ways. Like when you're chilling out listening to your favorite one-hit wonders from the 90s, relaxing in your happy pants, or keeping your composure like Will Smith in an alien movie. Sunday Scaries recently launched Cabin Scaries to promote social distancing and responsible isolation. A portion of sales will be donated to BEAP, Bartender Emergency Assistance Program to help displaced hospitality workers. Get 25% off your first order with the code NODUNKS at sundayscaries.com. That's 25% off your first order at sundayscaries.com and enter code NODUNKS where it asks for a coupon on the checkout page. Find out what product might be best for you. So go to sundayscaries.com and use code NODUNKS. Nearly 22 million kids in the U.S. rely on free or reduced-priced meals during the school year, and with schools closed during the COVID-19 outbreak, many children may lose their only source of guaranteed food. As the nation's largest hunger relief organization, Feeding America is committed to serving families and children facing hunger in America wherever they are. You can help make sure children get the meals they need by donating now at feedingamerica.org slash coronavirus. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. All right, our next question. What up, yes beards? The quarantine has brought us Grizzlies fans an unexpected surprise. Fox Sports Southeast has been airing classic Grizzlies playoff games, and instead of the normal broadcasts, the ringers Chris Vernon and the grindfather Tony Allen have been the commentators. This got me thinking. These are some of my favorite basketball games ever, but the majority of basketball fans most likely don't even remember them. Nothing gets the juices flowing like Zebo choking Blake Griffin as the Grizzlies eliminate the Clippers in Game 6 of the 2013 playoffs, or when Darrell Arthur tore down the roof at the Grindhouse in Game 4 against the Spurs in 2011. I was wondering if you guys have any lesser-known games that are near and dear to your hearts. Thanks for keeping us entertained during all this garbage. That's from Will. (laughs) All this garbage. He's he's over it. I hear you, Will, but stay safe, man. Um, Lee, why don't you go first? January 22, 2006. You guys remember what happened that day? No. Yeah, Kobe, you know. Kobe, yeah, Kobe Bryant went for 81, right? So that's that's the day on the calendar that people remember. But on that same day, there was an incredible game between the Sonics and the Suns. And it went to double overtime. And after three periods, the Suns, uh, the Sonics led the Phoenix by five. Ray Allen was having a stinker. Had 10 points on four for 15 shooting, including 0 for 6 on threes. In the fourth quarter in double overtime, he hits eight threes. Finishes with 42 points, including like a 33-foot game winner. As the And as soon as the ball goes in, the buzzer goes off. And you go back and Google this game, Ray Allen versus the Suns, and just look at that shooting uh, ex, ex, display that he puts on in that fourth quarter and double overtime. Every single three is just as wet as anything. And uh, it's just, I just love watching that game back on uh, every now and again. I just watch it. And this question prompted it. <laughs> So I went back. Honestly, look at the shooting display, man. It's just incredible. 
It's incredible. Okay. So, yeah, I love Ray Allen. 42 points. Again, he's cold. He's having a bad game. Doesn't let it affect him when it when it's winning time. And uh, and the game winner is just, it's just butter, as Mark Jones would say. <laughs> wow, wow. Look at that shooting display. This is the very <laughs> solid play of basketball choices. There's a legendary highlight happening on the very same day. But Lee's like, you got to watch this game where the first three quarters are just terrible. But you're going to see a guy knock down some shots in the end. Oh, yeah, but it's worth it, man. It's worth it. It's just classic Ray. There's one where he kind of loses his dribble. Steve Nash is there defending him, and he picks up his dribble and just drills it in his eye. And it's just like, oh, that's gross. That's disgusting. But it's gorgeous at the same time. I, I always yeah. feel like I'm on Family Feud when we do these beach step in uh, podcasts because I'm I'm gonna hit you with a good answer. Good answer, man. Good answer. I like that answer. That's a, that's what I think we're looking for here. What were you gonna say, Tess? Well, if you don't want to go watch that Ray Allen game, I was I watched the Ray Allen just athletic YouTube video. Just when, the way he threw it down in his prime. I always go back and watch because I I loved. Seattle Ray Allen mm. because he would shoot off the dribble because he was that good and because he would throw down I mean he was he, he just I just forget about him like that I think most people do forget him like that because he is a spot up guy but back then he could mm. prime Ray was oh yeah he he's got some great. big dunks what about you Trey you got a, a lesser known game that's near and dear to your heart well, for the Bulls, it's Game 6, 2009. Bulls-Celtics, that's the 3 OT game that kind of ends with Joachim Noah dunking on Paul Pierce, following him out of the game. But one that is even lesser known than that, because that's kind of become known as, you know, yeah. one of the best first-round series, at least of the past couple of decades. Uh, but another unknown or lesser-known one for me is Mike Miller in the 2012 Finals, Game 5. He hit seven threes, and he was basically broke throughout the series up until then. And then he comes out and hits five of his first he hits his first five threes and the crowd is going crazy basically the heat bury the thunder on the back of mike miller stroking these threes i remember at the time thinking this guy has to retire immediately he could like barely run up and down the court but you know he basically won a championship for the heat right there uh in 2012 came back the next year and he hit the one with his shoe off you know i feel like those get uh intermingled yeah, with each other for, for sure. sure but uh i would love to hear mike miller talking about probably the hottest he's ever been yeah, those are good answers. I got a really random one. Um, game five of the Nets Raptors first round series in 2007. Game five. Uh, because, and just to set the scene, the Nets had punked the Raptors in both games in New Jersey, and they were leading the series 3 1. So the Raps had to win. This game was in Toronto, game five. And I ended up getting tickets. Tess, I don't know if you were at this one too. Did you, do you remember? Did you go to this game? I was not, no. Okay. Yeah, I definitely went with a few friends. Um, and it was great because the Raptors were up by 20 at the end of the first quarter. Uh, I think they were up like 33-13. And they're playing Vince They're, they're playing Vince Carter, who's on the Nets at this point. And, uh, of course, New Jersey manages to chip away, chip away, chip away. And they had a chance to win it to end the series. But I think it was Nakbar missed a three at the buzzer. And... The place is going nuts, and the reason this this lesser-known game is near and dear to my heart is because we were at the game. We were pumped, of course. We're still alive. We're going to go to New Jersey and win, and we came back to my place on Major Street. Um, no Curon was there. I can't remember who else was at the game, but we're like, let's do it. You guys want to go to New Jersey? The game's on Friday night, because I think it was a Tuesday night game five, and then it wasn't until Friday night was going to be game six in New Jersey, and we're like, let's do it. Let's all get work off. 
we're driving down, so four of us got the tickets. And I've told that story before. Game six in New Jersey, the, you know, they ended up losing uh, a close one the Raps do. So it ended up being a really fun weekend, uh, but uh, not, not a great result for Raptors fans, even though there were a ton in attendance in, in the Continental Arena or whatever the hell it was called in uh, East Rutherford. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that game five, like, it was just fun to be like, oh, God, we won this game. We somehow survived at the buzzer. And just the, the, that hype of like, let's go, let's buy tickets, let's go, man, who's driving? And uh, so that's always near and dear to my heart, even if we ended up losing that series to Vince. Uh, Jose Calderon puts a mark on that pass. Throw oh, it higher, know. Jose. I know you can't get the hams up high sometimes, but he's <laughs> chucking up there. Yeah, Richard Jefferson. What, you got some steel. pig grease on your hands? Just throw it up there, Jose. Um, yeah. The great Jose Calderon. Some yep. great names here we're hearing. Bastian Knockbar. Yeah. Woo! Uh, yeah. Yep. Oh, some yep. great names. And Darrell Arthur, from the emailer from Will. I was a huge Darrell Arthur fan. I thought he was going to be great. Just spotting up. <laughs> chucking it but uh yeah his his career got cut off a little bit short uh for me i'll go to a, another raptors game this wasn't uh, near and dear to my heart but it, it's just it's still a puzzler to me that charlie villanueva drafted by the raptors number seven pick oh five he ended up only playing one year for the toronto raptors because they said you know what we're gonna get rid of him they just they traded him after one year but in that one year he had his career high as a rookie he had a 48-point game. Yeah, yep. 48. <laughs> uh, he dropped on the Bucks, who they then traded him to. I guess the Bucks liked what they saw. They traded him, uh, <laughs> yep. for TJ Ford. And then Charlie Villanueva, UConn guy, just didn't stick around for a very long time. We got that contract from uh, Joe Dumars and the Pistons and uh, kind of faded away in his early 30s. But, my God, 48 from that guy was that was a shocker. That guy was butter. That guy was smooth, <laughs> and smooth also, as anything. It does feel like he played way longer for the Raptors. Yeah. Right? Charlie Villanueva just seems like a guy that played for the Raptors for like three or four years in my head. One year. Uh, That's weird for a Just the one pick. rookie year. He played almost in every game. Yeah. All right. Next email here. Hey, No Dunks. Growing up in the mid-2000s, Kobe was my favorite player, and I never thought anyone could ever top him as my favorite. But in 2013, a certain baby-faced assassin made his name in the playoffs. Five finals appearances later, I now realize that Steph Curry is my favorite player of all time. My question is, which player in the league now do you think could grow to become your favorite player of all time? That's from Niranhan. Skeets, why don't you get us going here? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I've got two. One is the Homer angle. Um, (laughs) Shea Gilgis Alexander, uh, I guess, could grow to become my favorite all-time player if, uh, you know, he's uh, obviously started his career. Uh, pretty impressively, I got a bet going on with Trey Kirby. He's going to be an All Star, I think it was. And like, yeah, uh, I was thinking earlier, who says no to that trade? Skeet says no because if Chris Paul's not on the Thunder, ain't no way Shea Gilgis Alexander's making an All Star team. Ooh, oh, what, what about the opposite? More, more room for him to grow there, Trey. He's already the only from reason the he even got talk this year is because the Thunder were in the playoffs. Oh. They're not getting to the playoffs <laughs> with Shea and Aaron Gordon. Uh, it's not that, yeah, but uh, our bet is for, you know, future years playoffs here. Early future years, but anyway, yeah. I'm going Shea Gildas-Alexander. Look, he has started his career um, as potentially, at the start, just the start of his career, as, you know, looking to be the most dominant Canadian we've ever seen in the league, what he's done in his first couple seasons. So, now, he, can he keep that up? Yeah, that's, uh, that's the, the million-dollar question, $100 million question. But uh, I love Shea. I love how he plays. And, uh, you know, i got high hopes that he's going to be a pretty uh, pretty successful player in the league and, and, is, and is on all-star teams and is challenging for all, M- all NBA teams and stuff like that. But my other answer is, um, is John Morant because, 
I loved Penny when I was a kid, and this guy's Penny 2.0 to me. And uh, he's fun as hell to watch. So SGA and John Morant for me. I don't think I'll ever have a different favorite player of all time. Uh, you know, when you watch Michael Jordan when you're 14 years old, it kind of is going to stick with you forever, especially we're seeing it now. I'm like, oh, yeah, I still love this guy, even if he is calling Scott Barella ho time and time again. <laughs> Closest I ever got to a player reaching Jordan status was Steph Curry during his, MB, uh, his MVP seasons. That, to me, was so Jordan-like, just the way he would be able to pull games out of his ass, basically, with his shooting and just doing things that nobody else could do in the NBA at that time. Uh, but, you know, once Durant came to the Warriors, things were different for Steph. So those couple of years were very special. Yeah, uh, mine would be uh, probably either Steph or even Kyrie Irving. Just loving watching Kyrie play, especially, you know, he's the same a little bit in the way that once he gets going in a game and has one of his like 40, 45 points, he's so much fun to watch. And I think I'd try to be like him out there in the uh, playground if I was growing up watching him. So, uh, But then, of course, as well, what Steph's done and what every kid's trying to do is shoot bombs from all over the place. That's what uh, is not good for, for your, kid, for your uh, game growing up. But um, I think with, with Kyrie's like, uh, handles and his layups and things like that, uh, I could see him becoming my favorite all-time player if I was a kid watching him now. I'll play the homer card. Got no problem playing the homer card. Give me a Pascal Siakam. It's, it's more about his story uh, that he from Cameroon didn't start playing basketball until he was like 17. He was a soccer player growing up, then picked up a ball and uh, was noticed at, by Luke Mbamute at his camp. And then he went to uh, South Africa for a basketball without borders camp and ends up playing for a New Mexico state. Most improved player, all-star. Uh, it's kind of like the trajectory of Yanis Tetkumpo, but he played, started playing basketball even later. And, you start to see his personality now shining through as he's uh, entering his prime because he was a quiet guy. He's only been in the league four years, but uh, you can see him. Uh, he did a, a, did some some press from home. He did an NBA film room on NBA TV. Did open gym, and you can see he's he's a fun fun dude. So I'm gonna jump on that train. Give me the Pasky. I like. I just I, you know it's more of a hey I like this guy type oh, yeah. of pick. But I'm I'm cool That's with that. That's the question. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, just nice I, guy. Uh, and hold on, I'm really mad at myself. So unprofessional. The emailer's pronunciation of his name is Nirunjan. I'm really angry with myself. Going to tear up my room <laughs> as soon as we're done here. How unprofessional. Just because just because you're podcasting from home doesn't mean you can't be professional, man. That's but ridiculous. how do you know that? He included it in the email? No, he included it in a previous email. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Nice. wow. He's, e- he's emailed four times. May 9th, April 20th. <laughs> Feb 6th and March 3rd. Oh, they wow. didn't go in order there because they didn't populate in order. But there you go. Four okay. times. He's been on the run, John. <laughs> Next one. <laughs> hey, Sans Dunkers. The other week I was at the grocery store doing... During... Hey, Sans Dunkers. The other week I was at the grocery store doing my quarantine shopping. When I came to the egg section, I grabbed two dozen, thinking it would last me two to three weeks at least. Here I am a week later eating my last two eggs. I automatically thought of No Dunk's resident egg lover, Skeets. I wondered how many eggs he could consume in a week. Surely he could put down two dozen eggs, no problem. My question for everyone is, what food have you been eating a lot of during this quarantine? Thanks for all the laughs during these last two months. That's from Joaquin Cruz. Um, nice of Nora uh, to ride in for it. Uh, yeah, I'll give you a quick, uh, <laughs> a quick egg update. Um, not as crazy as you'd think. I'm probably eating just a dozen eggs a week. So I'm not going two dozen. Um, 
I'm just keeping it for the most part. I've started, you know, I go through uh, like these little phases with cereal eating. Um, as I've talked about before, Big, I love eating cereal as a snack at night, but uh, sometimes it just starts to creep in there into my morning routine. So if I'm not doing cereal, I am having generally, um, you know, two eggs on toast. So that's why we're, you know, very quickly going to get up to a dozen there in a week probably. <laughs> um, so that's the, that's the egg update from me. Not going crazy. But I am, I've noticed I'm eating a lot of ice cream sandwiches during the mm. quarantine. Uh, I, I think I went years without really eating an ice cream sandwich. And I'm suddenly, uh, Nora has found these ones that are like a nice size. Like it's a perfect sized ice cream sandwich. It's not, um, not too big, not too small. You know, just a perfect amount of chocolate there as a little treat. We're talking cream. the traditional chocolate yeah. and vanilles. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm not getting crazy. I'm keeping it uh, OG with my ice cream sandwiches. And I'm just like, I, you know, once you know they're there in the freezer, it's a dangerous <laughs> thing. Because um, oh, yeah. if I don't know they're there, I'm never searching around in the freezer, really. I'm not. So now I know they're there. And she bought, she must have got like a bulk deal or something because we got a lot of them. And, uh, yeah, I'm taking them down quite quickly, guys. And every That's... time I eat one, Nora has to point out like how quickly I eat it. And it's starting to drive me insane. <laughs> because I think I'm eating it at a perfectly normal speed. And she is eating it at a crazy slow speed, right? Like a little nibble here, nibble here. I'm eating it normal, and it's starting to drive me nuts. We're getting on each other's nerve. We're two months in, and uh, here we go with the ice cream sandwiches. But that's what I'm eating a lot. I don't know about you guys. You brought up two things that really ring true to me here, Skeets. I can't believe it didn't come up on our 90s podcast, One Hit Wonder, Return of the Mac. For me, it has been Return of the Snacks, because once you know they're in the house— yep. It's crush time, baby. It's like I got when the girls go to bed, we basically got two rooms in our house I'm going to go into. If I'm not hanging out in the living room, I go in the kitchen. And in the kitchen, there are so many delicious baked goods to eat. Ice cream sandwiches, we've got them in the freezer. But for me, it's not that I'm eating each individual ice cream sandwich quickly. It's just that I'm eating all of the snacks quickly. Laura's like, oh, I see you've eaten this entire bucket of Trader Joe's Dunkers. I was like, yeah, and I waited three weeks to open them. I'm doing my best here. (laughs) I'm delaying gratification by eating all of our trash snacks before I eat our elite snacks. Do you, when you snack tray, let's say it's a bag of chips, let's say it's something like that, do you grab a bowl and put like a portion into that bowl to then take over to the living room or something? Or do you eat straight out out of the receptacle that they came in? I'm a savage. I'm eating straight out of that receptacle that's the, yeah, until that's my the... stomach feels sore. And then probably 20 minutes later, I got to stand up again and see what else is new. <laughs> salty, yeah. sweet, salty, sweet, salty, mm-hmm. sweet. You can't just keep one taste in your mouth. Yeah, that's the trick though, right? It's like pour yourself the bowl and then put that snack away. Because I'm lazy enough that I just don't want to have to go do that again once I'm done the first bowl, right? Yeah, I, I get you. But I also am like, what, you expect me to wash all these bowls as well? This mm, comes true. in a bowl. True, true, true. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you guys uh, mentioning ice cream sandwiches because those are the two things. Ice cream and sandwiches that I've been <laughs> consuming more of lately. Just eating a sandwich like a 10-year-old every day for lunch, it's crazy. It's, I got Rachel whipping up a BLT for me right now. And the other thing, 
is do- uh, you grilling that bacon? Yeah, <laughs> she's not grilling it now. No, 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 oh. no, no charcoal in the townhouse. But uh, we've got. Uh, I, I've mentioned it before. Uh, I realize the DoorDash delivers ice cream, and it's the it will be the death of me because I keep ordering Jamocha almond fudge d- delivered to my door. It's it's insane. Luckily, there's charging for delivery now, so uh, it's it's going to be you know like twenty dollar ice cream buckets of ice cream. But I I just can't help it. I, I love it. I'm getting fat. I'm working out every day, but I'm still getting fat. Are your Bulking pecs still up. looking yeah, yeah. good? My, pecs still looking good they, in your Nirvana shirts. Uh, they are. They're they're looking uh, bigger. That's for sure. <laughs> I've been seeing those grill marks, ah, seeing those grill marks, ah, because uh, I've busted out the Weber and I've got charcoal because I'm outside in my house and uh, I've just been grilling like every third, second or third night these days. I was, I was out for a walk the other day and this guy was selling ribs on the side of the street, uh, like he had a big freezer and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was one of those, it was like a portable, a portable like, uh, you know, butcher oh, yeah, just guy. just a portable rib guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I was walking along and, uh, and I said, Get your street you ribs, got your Get him while he's still gone. And then I said, oh, what you got in there, man? What you got? And he said, uh, we got some ribs. And I said, oh, yeah, I'll get some ribs. <laughs> and then I said, what else you got? And he had some Norwegian salmon. And I was like, <laughs> what I was the like, hell are you talking about? And I was like, I got to get some of that. He had some Chilean sea bass. I said, yep, yep, yep. I ended up spending like $95 or something just out for a walk. I came back. Roxanne was like, where, where, where'd that all come from? I said, oh, there was a guy out there just selling stuff. I'm trying to help him out. Um, oh, that's great. But yeah, the, uh, the, grill, the grill's great. It's, it's sort of like, it's a bit of a throwback to when we were kids. We used to have barbecues all the time. And, um, you know, you sit out there, you're having a few drinks. The neighbor's kids oh, yeah. are out there playing. It kills and, time. Uh, it's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and, uh, and and I have to say, because I never really had ribs on the barbecue as a kid, but over here I've, I've learned how to cook them and I don't put any sauce or anything on. It's just straight up olive oil, salt and pepper. And they're beautiful. They're really good. So, um, yeah. Good. those grill marks. Oh. <laughs> I, uh, uh, just to jump in here, speaking of grills, uh, and, and you brought up bacon with your BLT there. I forgot to tell you, Lee, here on the podcast or even off the podcast, uh, I had a <laughs> I had a drastic um, grilling bacon incident. Oh, where, uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, oh my god, it was not long ago, a couple weeks ago, I guess now. And uh, we were gonna do it. I was like, yeah, we'll throw them on, uh, throw them on the grill. That's what my man Lily says. Like, yeah, it's taste delicious. And uh, I've got a very powerful barbecue, as I've learned, because those things disintegrated <laughs> in like ninety mm. seconds. I left it. I came back outside and my neighbor says, I think your barbecue's on fire. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't know what what happened there, Lee. I, I think wow. maybe just had it cranked too high or something, but yeah. the things just disintegrated. The it's all fat. Just went nuts. Bacon's yeah. all fat. Yeah. That's I know. Yeah. Grill bacon. Well, that's what <laughs> I thought. And Nora's like, no, you can do it. You can just throw it on. Uh, I'm not trying to throw her under the grill here, but uh, I, was like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that, but I did. And oh, God, it was bad. It was bad for a second. Hmm, I don't know how you do it. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I use the charcoal. Um, yeah. So, that, so it's probably not going to be as hot as my gas barbecue uh, early on, at least. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I also I just keep my eye on it if I if I'm doing the bacon there, you know, because you can't you don't want to risk over burning it uh, or burning it. So yeah. I think you're, you're right. My my mistake was I left it. I, uh, yeah. I did go inside for like legit 60 seconds and I came yeah. out and it was like yeah. disintegrated. Listen, That's hey. the three P's of cooking, man. 
practice, patience, presence. You yep. got to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Throw a face mask on, come over one night, and we'll chuck some on the Weber and see how we go. <laughs> All right. I'll try and pick up some uh, Chilean bass from your street vendor. Yeah, Ooh, I've, well, I've got over. some. I've still got some in the freezer, oh. so you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, but he's there yeah, tomorrow. You didn't he's mention uh, what country the, the ribs were from. Well, I'm guessing they're just there. Good old American ribs, eh? <laughs> I don't know what accent that is, but... Uh, yeah, Americans say A a lot, too. <laughs> but I've, Well, it, it is quite an international uh, barbecue that I have. Oh, see, if I say barbecue in America, that's more about like... Um, like a saucy thing you have to say grill here really don't you yeah, uh, yeah that's yeah, what i figured i don't anyway it's a very international grill that i have because i have the uh, sausages from the australian bakery uh go on there too so it's uh it, it's quite a it's quite a mix oh, the passport play every night yeah, out there yeah. <laughs> it is yeah the un grilling over here yeah yeah uh tass do you have anything you? you've been eating a lot of don't you have to bake those sausages if they're from the bakery? <laughs> or you can put them on the grill. Uh, you put them straight on the grill, let them thaw out, and then they go on there. And, and what I'm really happy with is my two boys, who uh, are Australian citizens, absolutely love the Australian sausages. So I was like, That's great. Good. I feel, you know, feels feels great. Nice. Um, just skates, you asked me. I'm, yeah. I'm just in a, I'm just on a chocolate binge. Mm. I just see chocolate and I eat it. Um, I almost picked... Chocolat for our uh, 1990s capsule movie, uh, but it was too. It was it was in the year 2000, so uh, couldn't shake my. That your Bolton pick. Yeah, couldn't shake my uh, shake my bonbons to Chocolat. Unfortunately, maybe we got to do the aughts. A time capsule for the aughts. Yeah, I'm definitely idea. picking Chocolat. Yeah, why not? Yeah, down the road, down the road for sure. Yeah, we're gonna have some time here. Next one. Hey guys, I was inspired by Skeets to try out Spikeball. He made it sound very fun, and I thought it would be a sport to play with a small number of people because of restrictions. I got a set, and I've loved it. I think I'm pretty good as well. What is an obscure thing that you think you are good at? That's from Jackson F. I think I'm really good at doing the slide you have to do when you're curling. I went and took a curling lesson. It was like 90 minutes. I'm thinking, this is going to be great, man. We're going to be throwing rocks all night. It spends 60 minutes teaching you how to slide. Yeah. I was horrible at curling, yeah, but I'm great at sliding. And, you know, (laughs) I feel like that's going to come in handy more often than actually being good at curling. Because, you know, if I got a slippery shoe, I could go out there and hit a lunge, something like that. I like to get down low. It's hard good. pushing off that hack, staying balanced. I mean, your, your yoga probably coming into a f- oh, yeah. into mm. play there because you're, you're, you're spread way out. Your legs are splayed. Legs your legs flying, are splayed. Your legs are flying behind you, but you still got to maintain balance. That's hard. Strong core. There. Yeah. You're right. Curl- um, I curled before I was a yogi, so maybe my skills would be even enhanced even more right now. So mm. do you think curlers are athletes? Yes, uh, 100%, you know, to, yes. to know those minute little touches that you have to do to get that uh, to get that stone curving the right way. It's incredibly impressive. And I also feel like when you're doing the slide, you're doing it a little backwards than you would think because like your your front knee and your and your your throwing hand are on the same side. And you know, if you're shooting a basketball layup, you jump off your left leg to go up with your right hand. I don't know. It just felt backwards to me, but uh, clearly I've mastered it at this point. It does sound backwards. JD, obscure thing you think you're good at? Yeah, I mean it's not it's not obscure, but making tea, I'm great at it. <laughs> like hot tea, and you'll be surprised at how many people f- it up. Like it's not easy to make the perfect cup of tea, mm. 
Mm. And I can't hand, I, I won't let anybody except for my mother make me a cup of tea because nobody knows how to do it, especially in this country. Everybody, <laughs> it's all about the iced tea here. But right. you, you, it's, it's all timing with the bag and removing the bag and the amount of milk that you add. It's, it's very specific. So making tea for me. Does your mum, JD, make the old-fashioned tea, you know, like into the pot and then pour it in? No, no tea bags. I'm talking like the tea leaves in and then letting it, uh, letting it hang out there. for it's Steep, she, that's the word for Yeah, it. she has, um, and, and then she, she would strain it, but uh, yeah. she's embraced m- uh, modernity mm. now, so she's mm. using the bags. But, you know, she's got the tea cozy and everything. It's, uh, yeah. it's awesome. She makes yeah. a, the perfect cup of tea. Yeah, because I grew up the same with my mum. She always made the tea, like with the tea leaves in there. And so you learn how to make proper tea. Yeah. But uh, it's hard. It's hard because it's just the, the market's not there anymore for it. It's You're all right. tea bags. It's all moved on. Yeah. So. Oh, it's sad. <laughs> Lee, Cash? Well, um, I think, I mean, I've played 10-pin bowling a few times in my life. Not, you know, not tons and tons. But I always get over 100, about 120 per time I bowl. I think that's a pretty good score. I think if you can crack a hundred, yeah, you know, yeah. you know, I, I think that's pretty decent. So uh, look, I'm not Rhino set, uh, Rhino uh, sets here by any means, but uh, you know, yeah, you I, go to bed I, at six o'clock. And then... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think if you can crack a hundred every time you bowl, like you know, you're doing pretty well. So because that's, I mean, you need you yeah. know, average of course ten per frame there, and uh, it sounds not that many. But it can get it can get away from you pretty quickly, so you need to uh, follow up those strikes with a good spare at least, oh, you know, yeah. to get sort of maximum points and to sort of uh, pad, your, pad your numbers a bit there. So, yeah. So you're I not throwing I'm... you're not throwing gutter balls generally. No, there. no, yeah. no, no. I mean, I've cracked. I think I cracked like about 180 one time, and I'm like, that's that's a pretty good score. I mean, that's it. I've only ever done it once, but uh, you know. I, I think if you're getting over 100, you should uh, walk away, slide away, pretty happy with yourself. <laughs> yeah. No. Slide. I. I I think I'm uh, pretty good. Like like bowling, I think, is a decent example. Like, I think I'm pretty good or, or would be pretty good if I practice uh, at a lot of things that are, like, games or activities where there is a lot of, like, hand-eye coordination and repetition. Um, so, like, you know, any of these lawn games or some of these sports that we're talking about. Although, that said, I the one time I did go curling, I was complete garbage. That is not easy, curling. Um, but obscure thing is uh, I'm pretty good, and it goes hand in hand, I'm pretty good at killing flying insects. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I'm, I, yeah, like, I can kill a fly, I can kill a bee with sort of striking accuracy. I'm a bit of a cat when it comes to it. Um, <laughs> and, you know, look, I'm not, I'm not saying go, go, I'm not condoning. Um, yeah, stop know, killing, killing the bees, killing man. Insects. We need them. Yeah, definitely bees, definitely yeah. bees. But, you know, look, I think you can take out a fly still. No one's oh, telling yeah. me I can't go kill and fly. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm talking. I don't even need a weapon. I just straight up hand. Um, just You're boom, quick. Ginobili. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, you got to see me around bats. Oh yeah, I'm crazy. Um, but that's my obscure thing. What about Do you, you get excited when you see um, an insect? Like for me, when I see one of those big dumb flies that's moving so slow in the house, I'm like, I can't wait till you get close to me. I'm gonna slap oh, you right yeah. in the face. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, look, I don't want them to suffer or anything, but there is something rewarding about just straight up knocking them out of the air and, hit, and seeing them go down. Uh, oh, that sounds morbid. Test, you have an answer. We got some some monstrous bugs down here, though. There's there's dragonflies oh, yeah. the size of small children down here. I was corralling <laughs> corralling one last week. It was up on a screen. I was just trying to guide it to its home yeah. outside, and man, that thing was a beast. You know, we were we were going elbow to elbow. We were we were knocking knees 
That thing has that thing has every joint that a that a human does. It was monstrous. <laughs> Your baby, monstrous. baby Noah, baby Noah was riding it around the house. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right though. When you get to a certain, like an insect gets to a certain size, you don't want to kill it. Then you know, outside of like a cockroach, I couldn't care how big a cockroach is. I'm taking that that sucker down. <laughs> yeah. But like a dragonfly, I'm with you. I'm not killing them. No, no. It's too, too beautiful. Gentle. Too beautiful. Those iridescent wings. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, I'm really good at throwing out people's dog <laughs> and by that i mean i leave leave my cans out ready to be picked up by the city my garbage cans out but people just throw their dog in there oh. uh, in my recycling bin in my yard waste bin now you don't do that you don't do that maybe maybe your dog poop would be good for my garden sure but in a plastic bag it's not helpful my man and that's not how it works <laughs> you don't throw dog poop into a yard waste bag or a recycling <laughs> bin, literally cleaning up after people walking by who are too lazy to take their dog poop home with to them. carry it. Yeah, that's I don't, it, I don't, right? I don't think dog poo is a good fertilizer though for your garden either. Oh, yeah. Is it? I mean, chicken poo, I don't know, man. Stuff, I don't know. yeah. <laughs> Have you ever I caught anyone so. doing it, Tass? Like, no, unfortunately not. No. no, I'd be. I should. I should what get would, out there. What would you do? Yeah. What would you do? Would you go out and say, oh, hey, yeah. go back and yeah. pick that up? Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Respect. Right. I got my own browns. You're, you're like your, your house, too, located sort of on a corner. I wonder if that comes into play. I wonder if your garbage cans and recycling cans are getting, are getting hit more mm. than people next door to you or more in down the street. You know what I mean? Because you're right there. You're like, I don't know why. I feel like a dog takes a dump on a corner more often. <laughs> I feel like there's some truth to that. I don't even know how to talk, but I think that's real. Yeah, that's right. true. They like the 360 degree view. You yeah. Know, be able to look all over the place. Yeah. So Tass, what if somebody drops a bag in your actual garbage? Is that fine? Oh yeah, that's fine. It's a garbage bin. Totally okay, fine with that. 100%. I'm thinking because I've been dropping bags left and right. Never at your house, but I'm always trying to aim for the right one. <laughs> yeah, I see. I don't even think that it's the proximity of the dog dump that I'm close to. I don't think they're necessarily dumping close to my house, although they definitely dump at my house as well. I, I, I just think that people just are like, oh, here's a nice bin. Here's a nice wide open bin. I'll throw it into. I'll just chuck it in. They, they feel like, hey, you know what? I'm pretty good at lawn games. I'm pretty good at bagel. I'll just toss this from Throw five feet away. Chuck. I'm going to get a drone that oversees my bins and just oh, hovers there. Like there a robot. Right. Yeah, security. Yeah, exactly. Security drone. Yeah. I, I've thought about that before, though, Trey, what you just said. Like, if I'm out running and I have, like, let's say, like a Gatorade bottle or something that I'm done, and then you see the recycling bin, you know, outside of somebody's house, and, like... And it's already been picked up. Like, I feel like it's one thing if the recycling hasn't oh, been yeah. picked up yet and you put it in. But when it's empty and then you're starting their recycling for the next week with your, <laughs> with your gator, I do always, I catch myself sometimes. Like, I don't know, would I be pissed at that? I guess not. As long as they put it in the right spot and it's not, like, leaking anywhere or something like that. <laughs> I always feel like I'm doing a service for the people. Like, here, here let me get you started for next week. A little something extra. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Final yeah. one. Final one. Hello, no dinkaroos. I've listened to most of the No Dunks podcasts. I only skip the Survivor pods. Whoa, what, 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 what? I live in the Netherlands and I've been working from home because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Your podcast helps me stay upbeat and laugh out loud during the day. My question is, 
Is Trey still in training to make a couple of dunks this year? I haven't heard anything about his progress. Keep up the good work. Love you guys. That's from Kaj in the Netherlands. Trey, what is the update? Are you still working out um, on trying to dunk? I haven't jumped in two months. I'm not even sure if my legs can still elevate my body at this point. This is the second time I've been called out in a week. My guy friends from back home were the same. They're like, hey, man, you still jumping? I'm like, no, I haven't been jumping. The coronavirus lives on a basketball rim for 40 days. And they're like, this is ridiculous. You could be jumping at home for 10 minutes, no problem. And honestly, I could. And so I'm thinking maybe I should be inside. You know, I've got... um tall enough ceilings that I'm not worried about hitting my head on the ceiling, which is uh, something I've never, ever worried about. But the other obstacle, I think, is that being around uh, where we live, there are now so many people home, and there are huge walls just uh, you know, from the ground to three floors up of all windows. So am I supposed to go outside while my kids are riding their bike and I'm doing jump training? I'm going to look insane, <laughs> which I don't mind. I don't mind looking insane if not everybody who I live around is home to be watching me do this. I think it's cute to watch for them to be able to see my kids like learning how to ride their bike, but maybe not for a 36-year-old man to learn how to <laughs> uh, dunk. So you're saying if you had like maybe your own backyard or something, you'd be out there jumping around if people couldn't really see you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I need to be a little bit more covert with my leaps. Mm. All right. Well, you got to, I mean, what, when, when was the goal set? The end of 2020? Is that end of 2020, was? yeah. Okay, you had all the time in the world. But also these people are, are inspiring me. I don't know exactly what good at-home workouts there are for jumping. Um, and, you know, I also am a little worried about doing it quietly. I also, <laughs> right? Like, I don't want to be jumping and landing Pounded super away. hard right above where my girls are sleeping uh, yeah. <laughs> at night in. Like, Daddy, Daddy, what are you doing? Well, I told everybody on the internet that I was going to dunk by the end of 2020, and they're holding me to it. I'm sorry. That probably, that probably helps your muscle building, though, or your jumping abilities by trying to land softly. With That's a good point. Jumps. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if there's any Strengthen the ankles for the soft landings. All right. Well, good luck. Keep us posted. Lee, by the way, uh, keeping us posted, how's the book writing going? Uh, not too bad. Yeah. yeah. I've got about um, eight or nine chapters. Sort Holy! Of, uh, yeah. I mean... I mean, not complete, but uh, like uh, like probably 80% complete, I would say. Okay. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's a lot better than I thought you were going to say. That's really yeah. impressive. All right. Yeah. Stick at it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know how many there's going to be in the end, but uh, I'm thinking probably another another at least five to six. So. Well, we're going to have to turn the whole book into a podcast series. I hope you know that. <laughs> that's fine with me. Yeah. 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 Okay. Great. All right. Let's call it there. Guys, coming up on Thursday, it is the final episode of our No Buffs Survivor Recap Podcast. Tonight, here on Wednesday, everybody get all your snacks in the world in front of you tonight. (laughs) Because we have a three-hour episode of Survivor Winners at War where we find out uh, who of the remaining five or who from Edge of Extinction becomes uh, the 40th, well, 39th winner in Survivor history. Can't wait for that. JD, you pumped? You got the the kids must be excited, or at least Jackson. Jackson's excited. I'm excited. Three hours. We're, uh, Rachel's making pizza. We're going to have a party, man. It's going to be great. <laughs> did you see that uh, I shared the link with you guys, I think, in our Slack channel? Jeff Propes is going to be live from his garage. <laughs> I love it. Well, it's perfect. Very it's cool. Perfect. Yeah. Well, it looks pretty cool. They set it up in his garage, so that should be fun. That's uh, a Thursday. He's got a lot of dumbbells in that garage. Yeah. yeah. He's jacked. He's He's pretty fit, yeah. I like, and uh, he also has three cameras, and it's yeah. just him. So what are we shooting? What what are we shooting exactly? <laughs> like, yeah, 
I guess uh, a tight shot of the reveal of the winner out of the Oh, uh, Yeah, right. I can't wait. So uh, that's Thursday, our final episode of No Buffs Survivor Recap Podcast. It probably will be a long one. We'll have a lot to talk about, I, I assume. On Friday, film session, we've locked it in. We will be watching and reviewing the 1996 basketball comedy, Eddie. We're doing Eddie, guys. Whoopi Goldberg back in our lives. Coach of the Knicks. Uh, Some of you, we learned, have not seen this. Tass, is that right? Never watched Eddie? I've never been with Eddie. Wow. Never. (laughs) Wow. Well, this is going to be JD. Have you watched it? Nope. Okay. Um, Lee? No. Oh, my God. Trey, you have. In the theater. Oh, Mike, of course. Of Big whoopee guy. <laughs> I've seen it. Definitely not in the theater, but I've seen it on TV. So we're going to break down Eddie. Uh, that one should be, I would assume, pretty fun. That's on Friday, so make sure you try and watch that. I think uh, if you do, uh, you don't have to search that hard to find the movie on YouTube. Like, it's straight up on YouTube. You don't even have to buy it on YouTube. So search for Eddie, 96 Basketball Comedy. Watch that and have a blast with us on Friday. All right, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, curlers are athletes. (laughs) Brace the day, people.